Welcome to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell, and I hope that you have a fantastic Thanksgiving during these tough times. One of the best things about barbecue, as we've said time and time again, is meeting people from all over the world who share the same passion. KCBS is coming quite the thing over in Europe, and we've been blessed enough to have become good friends with some of Europe's best, including today's guest, Tom Reyes of Southern Dutch Barbecue. Southern Dutch Barbecue, which consists of Tom and Doreen, has been at the top of KCBS Europe for a couple of years now, and they continue to set a high bar. They frequently come over to the United States and have great success here as well at high caliber events such as the American Royal and the World Food Championships. So please join me in welcoming Tom Reyes of Southern Dutch Barbecue. Well, thank you very much for being with me, Tom. It's been uh, a weird 2020. I just want to thank you for being on the podcast. Well, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I normally like to start these off with a story. The story about how we came to meet is, <laughs> I think that it really kind of encapsulates what everybody always talks about barbecue, and that's the people. You had reached out to, I believe, Humphreys, and you were looking for a cooker to use at the World Food Championships in 2016. And they had connected us and I was in the midst of a crisis with my Humphreys and that I couldn't get a rib call. I was also in the, in the throes of transitioning to a backwoods. So I was like, yeah, sure. I'll bring my, my uh, Humphreys down there. We got to meet you and Doreen and Martin met you guys at the hotel, had a great time hanging out. I believe that you won ribs at the world food championships that year. Did you not? Well, we, we ended up third place. So third. that was, yeah, that, <laughs> that was pretty special for us because, you know, ribs is normally, or back then was normally our worst category. So. <laughs> and so and, probably the curse on the cooker was our luck, you know? <laughs> I remember the girls looking at me going, it wasn't the cooker. <laughs> well, and the fun thing is I, I saw a Facebook memory, like I think two weeks ago, that you, you sent me the message, Tom, your pit is at 110 <laughs> in the middle of the night. Oh, that's and right. That's right. I, I woke up and you were running to our tent and said, your pit is at 110. I said, yeah, that's true. That's correct. And you were, you were looking at me like, what are you doing? I said, it's Celsius. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. oh, right. <laughs> I forgot. But, you know, that was just, <laughs> it was such a fun experience and you guys. Definitely. You guys went for a few days for vacation, but then you came back during the final day to uh, to cheer us on. And that was, I just remember seeing you guys in the crowd and I remember that just being so touched and we've been friends ever since. And it's been really a lot of fun to get to know you guys. Yeah, it's, it's a joy every time we, we see you, you know, and it's, it's pretty cool that the barbecue trail, we see each other all over the U.S., you know, last year in Kansas City at the American Royal. And I think that's part of the barbecue trail we are both in you know it's yeah you never know where you never know when but you do know that it will happen absolutely let's get into a little bit of i have a normal set of questions but uh seeing as how you're my first guest from across the pond let's talk a little bit about the differences between the the kcbs tour in europe versus the united states i 
I, I know we spent a lot of time over some drinks talking about this, but you guys are a lot closer together when you guys cook, aren't you? Yeah, we are. But I, th- I think that the, the biggest difference is, you know, if you, if you look at the KCBS in Europe, it's like it only has a history of 10 years. You know, I mean, 10 years ago, that was the first several KCBS contest in, in, in Europe. It was in Holland. It was called Tony Stone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe some people know Tony Stone. He's, he's, he's a cooker from back in the days. Uh, and he was a good friend with, uh, with Harry. That's a, the, the guy who organized Tony Stone. And I believe he passed away, I think, like two, three weeks before that contest. So it, it, it's called Tony Stone ever since. But the history we have in KCBS in, in, in Europe is it's just 10 years, you know. So... And, and, and I think the league is, I mean, it's, it's really growing rapidly. Uh, I think this year we had like 40, 45 contests planned in all of Europe. And I think we're now at 200, 250 teams. Wow. But there are not a lot of teams who are traveling like all over Europe. You know, we got a lot of local teams as well in that scene. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you, you, you see those guys in a normal season more than your family, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you're getting pretty close with them, you know. Yeah. And uh, we also have some great friendships out of barbecue because of that. And I think I think that's the first time we went to World Food Championship was the, was the year you were just referring to. And that was something, that was our first experience in the US, if you talk about KCBS over there. And with the experience we had from cooking on this side of the pond, you know, everybody is outside drinking beers uh, during the contest. So we went there on, I think it was like Thursday or something. And I had like a cooler full of beer. So I thought, you know, just make some new friends over here. And everybody was sitting in his trailer. And I thought, what's going on here, you know? <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a different thing. But that's what, it, on the other hand, you know, if you look at the American Royal, for example, it's, it's a whole different atmosphere. There you got that almost European feeling, what we still have bears having fun that's something you really have still have uh, uh in europe and that's what we really like in the american world because that's that feeling we love about barbecue and yeah. that's what you find over there absolutely the american royal has become one of my favorite contests of the year just because i get to see so many different people from all over the world and getting to see a lot of the teams from europe getting to see the guys from south africa uh, those guys yeah. with it, with a little pig. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were something else. And, uh, and also seeing, you know, like Scott and Lindsay from the UK, those guys, I know they're really good friends of yours as well. Yeah. It, it's just so refreshing. And it's been really missed this year as you, as you've stated, it is, it's been a tough year. So hopefully there'll be some semblance of normal in 2021. That's what I hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's Fingers get crossed. Fingers crossed. That's right. Well, let's get into it because I know that uh, you guys have a very, very decorated uh, past several years, but your whole career, you guys have have done a lot of winning in Europe. And I kind of want to dive into that. What was the biggest turning point in your life as a pitmaster? Well, I, th- I think that was the first contest we ever did because I I was just, you know, cooking in my backyard and then one of a sudden, I, I wasn't at barbecue forum, and they were referring to a barbecue contest where you could like do a judge cont- uh, a judge course for like a couple of bucks, 
and then judge a barbecue contest. So I thought, wow, that, that's something I like. That turned out to be KCBS. So I did that judge class. And uh, after that, I did the judging and I tasted the food. And I mean, that was really back in the days, you know, nobody had a lot of experience over here. So um, everybody was just trying. So I tasted the food and I thought, oh man, I cook better food in my backyard, you know? So <laughs> with the next contest coming up, I said to Doreen, I said, I want to do a barbecue contest. She said, well, be my guest, you know, I'm not into that. So we didn't have any equipment at all. It was like, and Martin, the guy, uh, uh, you know, from uh, World Food as well, he was just a backyard cook as well. And uh, I asked him, I said, do, do you want to join me for a contest? And he said, sure, no problem. So yeah, but I need a tent and I need your Weber Smoky Mountain. I've got a Weber Smoky Mountain. So we've got two Webers. If you got a tent, I, I have a table. We didn't have any equipment at all. So <laughs> he brought a tent and on the last minute, the ring decided to go as well. And it was in, on a on a grass field and we came there and it was like beautiful weather, you know, the sun was shining. So we put everything together, you know, uh, we were done with setting up and it started to rain and it rained for like, I think 36 hours after that. Oh, wow. A really hard. So it was, oh man, that tent was horrible. <laughs> and then we turned everything in. I mean, it, it was it was a really great experience, your first barbecue contest, you know, but then we ended up like reserve bread on our first contest. Oh, wow. So I thought, well, that's easy. <laughs> uh, and after that, I was I was hooked, you know, and the fun part was the reason wasn't into that. Uh, but when we got that trophy, she was the first one to touch the trophy and hold it up, you know, just like she <laughs> did all the work. But she was just there, you know, just for the fun and for the drinking part and everything. But at that moment, I think we were both hooked, you know, that that moment you you your first contest, you, you take your first trophies. That's something that put like, you know, uh, oil on the fire, like, let's go. Yeah we need we want to do more of this right so I, I don't i don't know if we didn't got reserved that contest if we would continue like we did after that I'm, I'm pretty happy the fun story though is after the contest after that we thought well this is easy and i need to look at the second page on the overall results to find my name so <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't just good from the beginning but it was a jump start to go yeah. on they always say that your first call is your most expensive call because then you're like, yes, I need to get into this and I need to get all this equipment and do all this stuff. And it's like, let's go. <laughs> definitely, definitely true. That was, we, uh, yeah, it, it gets, it gets, it's just snowball so fast. And, you know, next thing you know, you've got four cookers. Next thing you know, you've got, you need to buy a specific truck and a car and a, trailer and all this other stuff and it, it just yeah i remember our yeah. first one and what that did <laughs> it's a life-changing experience <laughs> yes yes i think that barbecue pit masters are some of the most superstitious and ritualistic people out there do you guys have any uh, rituals or habits that you have during competitions that are unique to you well, it's, it's, <laughs> I, th I think everybody's got those superstitions and I got them as well. I mean, 
If I fuel up my van before driving to a contest, I always want to fuel up at pump number seven. <clears throat> and I don't know why, but that's that's something I always do. And if all the other pumps are free and number seven, there's somebody filling up his gas, I'll wait until number seven is available. So I think that's that's the superstitious I have. And the, and the other thing I do is I always have the same clothes on, same boxers, same shorts, same socks, same shoes. But that's not really for superstitious. That's just because they're comfortable, to be honest. <laughs> but pumping, a, filling up a number seven, that's, that's definitely a superstition. That's a great one. <clears throat> a great one. Do you guys have any, do you have any specific music preferences or types of music that you listen to while cooking? Oh, yeah, definitely. We are well known for our music. <laughs> <laughs> and people call it chicken music because what I do in the morning is like our contests are on Saturday, Sunday. So if I talk about Sunday, that's like game day. Yep. But on Sunday morning at, at like 9 a.m., I start you know, doing all my chicken prep. And then I put the volume on on the on the speakers and then put some metal, new metal. <laughs> yeah. Loud and heavy with loads of guitar riffs in it. <laughs> and I mostly do it because I can concentrate on that, but also because that's the time the judges arrive, you know, and uh, they all want to say hello and make their round as well. But then I kind of do my job, you know, if I always need to walk away and say hello, how are you, etc. So I thought if I do that, I don't hear them. And I just can focus on my chicken. So, and we use that music as well for turning. Yeah. So uh, we are well known for that. And the other thing is, we had a contest in Italy one day, and I let someone try my pork. And he said, "Your pork tastes like Christmas cookie." And and ever since that, I always turn play like one Christmas song on the contest. Doesn't matter when it is, just always one Christmas song because. My pork tastes like Christmas cookie. <laughs> is the season. That's fantastic. And you're you're exactly right about that was a great point you made about how the music helps you focus and helps you stay on task. I do the same exact thing in the trailer and that I'll I on Friday I get to play whatever music I want and Kim's not there. So I put on the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and stuff that you know she had ever played when she was a kid. And yeah. I turn it up as loud as I possibly can, just so even if somebody even knocks on the door, I can't hear them. And it just it keeps helps you to up. stay in the zone, you know, and, and yeah, do all the work you need to do. Yeah, yeah, that's abs- that's exactly why we do that. So when you're in the throes of a big season, what does your competition week look like in terms of, you know, organizing? Do you do things on a certain day? you have a set schedule that you and Doreen do? Yeah, definitely. We made a huge turning point like two years ago, which made our like preparations for our contest pretty easy. What we do now is like on the weekends off, we do all the trimmings and freeze just all the meat in. We experience that frozen meat versus fresh meat doesn't make a big difference at all. Mm-hmm. So if you do that, then in the week, so what we do is the Sunday before the cutters, we take the big meats out of the freezer. Uh, we always do on Wednesday, we do rub sauces injections. Uh, mm-hmm. On Thursday, we, I, I always do my inventory, uh, my shopping inventory, open all the drawers, see what's, you know, need to be filled up, filled up again. 
And then on Friday, I take the small meats out of the freezer, do all the shopping, loading the van. If it's within a three-hour driving range, we drive Saturday morning because yeah, and we are there probably around 10 a.m., which is my preferred time of arrival. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty easy. And and I think one big reason why we, we changed it from like doing the trimmings in the weeks from contest was like two years ago. And it was a brewing queue double and we need to to take the boat that I thought it was like Thursday morning to go from uh, uh, Holland to England. And we were, we had a really busy day, a busy week at work. So we could start trimming at like 9.30 in the, in the evening. <laughs> I was doing this chicken and I always trim chicken and the ring does the rest. I mean, she's, she's really good at it. I suck at it. So, you know, she does all the big meats and the ribs. I do the this chicken. And one of a sudden, after like doing, I don't know, four butts, eight ribs, uh, uh, I was doing my chicken. She was doing the, the first brisket. She, she cut herself in the finger. <laughs> it was really deep and there was blood on the curtains and everything. I said, are you okay? She said, yeah, I probably need to go to the hospital. I said, yeah, just wait 50 minutes minutes i'll finish up my chicken and then i'll drive you <laughs> so i drove her to the hospital and she needed to got stitches in her finger and everything and after that we came home and she said yeah now you need to trim the brisket i said i never trimmed the brisket in my life so what she did was actually with like a stitched finger <laughs> she trimmed that second brisket wow and we, we we finished up trimming at like 1 30 in the, in, in the morning and i said we never do that again you know we need to do all our trimmings in the off weekends, I mean, uh, I'll ask my, my sponsor to ship me like 10, 15 briskets and we just trim them in one weekend. So we have enough for the upcoming contest and we do the same with pork butts and the same with chicken. And if you do it like that, you're in, in the week before the contest, if you don't need to do your trimming, I think for us it makes a huge difference in how relaxed you go into the contest because you know what meat you got. You know, we always rate our meats before we freeze it in, like plus, 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 minus. Mm-hmm. So we know what we have. We know what we take out. Gives a lot of rest and peace in your head. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. I've also noticed that when I freeze things, I notice no difference in it. And we've started doing that a lot more just so we're more prepared and have more time during the week to do other things. Exactly. I mean, you know, uh, you guys probably need to work as well. And <laughs> it's a lot of work to do everything during the week to prepare for a contest. So definitely helps. Yeah. So one of the things that we talk a lot about in barbecue is all of our successes, you know, but I like to spend some time talking about failures. You know, have you had a failure during, during a contest, like a favorite failure of yours that set you up for success later? Well, I, I wrote that question and there was one thing that popped up my mind instantly. And that, that was, uh, we got one DQ in our whole competition career. And I think that was like five years ago or something. I'm talking about five years ago. So we, we didn't have the level of experience we have right now. So we were still, you know, discovering how, how it all worked. And the reason why we got that DQ, because my brisket had a probe hole. So I, had a probe in my brisket and I did it all the time, you know, and, and I don't know why, but that time, like 
it, it left a hole. And I, I, from the day until today, I don't know why that was, but it, it was huge. So you saw like a hole in every slice there was because I put the probe with the grain, not against the grain. Uh-huh. I mean, those are rookie mistakes, but ever since, uh, that was the last contest we ever put a probe in. Our- really? We never probe again. It cost us like, I think, the rest of the season to get the feeling and, and the know-how how to cook without a probe because that's a huge difference, you know, if you are used to the rationale of, of having a probe in it versus do it on your gut feeling. But I think that was one of the best things that could ever happen to us on that time, even though I wasn't happy with it <laughs> on that moment. But I, th- I think that that's my favorite failure for now. But, you know, you got so many little things. I mean, you, you learn every contest, you know, just little things like where's the wind coming from, you know, where does the sun come up? How does it shine on your cooker? Or how does the wind blows into your, into your fire, et cetera, et cetera. All those elements, you know, we check them now once we arrive at the competition field. The first thing I do is, okay, where's the, uh, the east? Where's the west? Uh, where's the wind coming from? What are the, the expectations about wind over the weekend? How do I need to put my cooker in? And, and what's the best pot to put your whole cook side on? You know, that those are things that are, we do them because we learn from mistakes. <laughs> Let's say like that. Absolutely. So one of the things during our time of knowing each other is that you really strike me as being a very confident cook. You know, where does that confidence come from? To be honest, maybe it looks like it, but it it, it isn't really like that, to be honest. <laughs> you know, I'm, to be honest, you know, com- confidence grows with the results very quickly. But it may disappear just as quick once the results are getting down. I think we were struggling with confidence until mid last year you know the last year we had a streak like three four five times third you know and the first time you get third you are okay it's not gc or rgc but i can live with it the second time you 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 think like okay it's again still good and the third and the fourth and the fifth time your mood is getting lower by the result but by the contest you know because you think, shit, again, no GCRGC. And I was talking about this with uh, Ed from Bunch of Swines on the American Royal. Mm-hmm. And I say, you know, I'm really looking at the last step, what I need to do to get that GCRGC. And uh, he didn't answer that question. But at the Royal last year, we had a, yeah, I, th- I think we did pretty well over there. Uh, we flew home. And, I mean, the airplane touches the ground over here and we were already like packing for the contest in Belgium. And I drove to that contest and said to Doreen, I don't care what, but this is the last contest before the winter. I want to get my Royal invitation for next year before the winter. So we're going to nail this. And she said, okay, let's do that. And we went to that contest and we were like super eager. And we won that contest with like, I think 15 or 16 points on RGC. Ed came to me after the results and he said, I think you found your last ingredient. I said, what's that? He said, that's confidence. And that was an eye opener for us. And to be honest, ever since there were not much contests, but all the contests after that, we were GCORGC. And that, those are, I think seven now in a row that we had GC, uh, six GCs, one RGC. So it helps, but it's really difficult 
to find it, you know, but once you got it, you need to hold it. And I think another thing is to make sure that confidence doesn't get arrogant. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it's a really thin line of balance. And you need to stay on the line of confidence and not arrogance because if you're on that side, then you are in big, big trouble. Then you start forgetting little things just because you think you can overpower them. Exactly. <laughs> Let's switch gears here a little bit and get into some gear, get into some questions. What is one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made in competition barbecue? Probably two things, I think. What we did uh, two, three years ago, we flew to the US twice to do a cooking class over there. And we did one with, uh, with Travis Clark crew. And we did one uh, at Tuffy's place. And I think those were the best investments we ever made. Those two classes, and we did them like within two months. But those two classes combined gave us like a whole new idea of how we wanted to bring things to the next level. So I think that that's probably the first thing. And the other th thing is the we purchased a stick burner well, I think one and a half year ago. Yeah. And that was a life-changing event as well. I mean, people always say it's the cook, not the cooker. And that's absolutely true. But in my opinion, the flavor out of a stick burner, for me, the best you can ever have, you know, just cooking on full wood, that's, that taste is unbeatable in my opinion. I think you and I were kind of on the same trajectory with that as well. I switched, I guess it was probably two years ago now to a jambo stick burner. Yeah. I, I agree 100%. The flavor off of that, if done correctly, it's really hard to match it. Definitely, definitely. And the fun part is, you know, if, if you look at how everything works in Europe, in the, in the beginning, in the, in the starting years, loads of people were cooking on a stick burner, actually, but they didn't do well with it. So I think... We were the first ones starting to use a stick burner again after everybody said, okay, I stopped using it. You know, I, I'm going to cook on a can. You know, I mean, the cans are here just as popular as ever there uh, uh, or whatever cooker you want to prefer. But nobody was doing a stick burner again. So when we published that we were using a stick burner, we knew everybody was looking at us like, oh man, what are they doing? You know? Mm -hmm. And so it, it was quite a challenge for ourselves as well to, pr to prove people here are wrong, you know? And, and luckily we did, but it, it was quite a challenge. And the, fu the fun story though, the first time we ever used a stick burner ourselves was like the Royal two years ago. And Daniel from Rocking W, uh, that's the guy who built our cooker. I asked him to, uh, to bring one of the cookers uh, to the Royal so we can use it. Then. But we already ordered him you know, uh, did a down payment on our cooker. So we brought the cooker and it was the first time. And we were standing in the row. Next to us was uh, Boomerang, Rub My Rack. Uh, Bobby was standing there. Uh, on the other side, you had uh, Cosmos. So a lot of people with stick burgers as well. <laughs> and everybody had clean smoke out of it on the, on the first morning of the Invitational. And our cooker looked like we had a new Pope, you know. There was white smoke coming out of it. And... It was horrible. I felt so ashamed, you know, and I thought, oh man, all those people must think, look at that stupid Dutchman over there, think he can cook, you know. It was a, a learning weekend, so that made me doubt a bit. Did we make the good choice about, you know, ordering that cooker? But 
in the end of the day, it's one of the best decisions we ever had. I want to go back to the classes that you took because I think that's really important in that you took two classes from two masters of, of, of a stick burner. And that's one thing that I always try and teach to people is if you're going to take a class, go take a class. It's fine to take classes when people are cooking on something that you're not, but if, yeah. you're, if you're going to take one class, make sure it's somebody that's cooking on what you cook on. That's what you're going to get the most out of. Definitely, definitely. Another thing I think is really important if you want to do a class. Uh, we did a class in the beginning of our career, and that was like uh, Rob Rugby, Plum Boys. He came over to, to Holland to do a class, and we only had like five, six counters in the box. To be honest, if I look back now, you know, from that class, so... I think if people want to do a class, you know, do at least like 10, 15 contests, get used to it, work a bit on your consistency, try to understand what's happening there, and then do a class. I think that's on the preferred on a cooker, you know, what's comparable to yours. Right. I think you learn way more out of that than if you don't. Exactly. We all talk about things that cost a lot of money, but one of my favorite things to talk about are purchases of a hundred dollars or less that have really impacted your barbecue life. Do you have one? Do you have two? Do you have anything that, that you spent less than a hundred bucks on that really has, has, has upped your game? Well, I would have said Thermopen, but you, <laughs> I'm not allowed to. <laughs> Everybody says Thermopen. <laughs> I know, but it's true. It is true. It's, it, it, it's a difficult question. You know, it's, it's a pretty expensive hobby and, it, it's even more expensive on this side of the pond because, you know, most of the things we use are the same that the th same things you guys use, mm -hmm. except they are like 30, 40, 50% more expensive because it's all imported. So I really thought about this question. <laughs> and to be honest, I've written for myself down, well, I bought myself new shoes <laughs> and they were like, you know, they are like, uh, waterproof and I'm really happy with that but that has nothing to do with barbecue so I would <laughs> I really don't I, have an idea I could make the point that it does your comfort and being comfortable and being not having joint pain or anything we're on our feet a lot I think that is one of the more underrated things that we don't talk about yeah I think you're right you know and I mean you guys have all those really cool trailers to cook out of <laughs> you know, we are here still in the face, you know, everybody here is cooking from pop-up tents. So if you're on the grass field and it's raining, your feet will get wet for sure. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my new shoes. <laughs> but the fun thing is, since I bought them, since that moment, there was no need to wear them on comps because <laughs> there wasn't a rain. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. Just gotta, for the case we have them, it's uh, they're there. <laughs> you got to be ready. For sure. And we are. So who has Im impacted your life the most in competition barbecue? I don't want to sound cheesy or something, but I, I think that would be Doreen for sure. Okay. I mean, we grew in this together, you know. Uh, without her, I wouldn't be as competitive, competitive as I am right now. We are truly a team. If you would do this at in, as individuals, I don't think we could do it, you know. I mean... She's got her strength, I got my strength. We are truly equal in this. And, and I think because of that first contest, what I just said at your first question, 
Mm-hmm. I think that truly made an impact on our life. You know, everything changed after that. I wouldn't miss it for a dime. So I think it's probably the win for sure. Absolutely. It's one of those things that I, I hold pretty dear to my heart as well as, you know, this is how Kim and I spend time together and exactly doing something together that we love. And it's really, we were pretty close before, but it's really brought us really closely together and how much we enjoy doing it together. It's a lot of definitely, fun. you know, you've got an equal goal. You have a lot of, you spend a lot of time together on the, on the field, but also at home talking about it. It's, 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 it's a game changer. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, if, if you look at like the teams who are scored the most, I think 80%, if I need to guess, are like husband, wife, mm-hmm. boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, so I think, those are the best teams you can have. And I truly believe in that. I agree. I agree. When you have an issue, when you're having an issue with the meat, who do you reach out to for help? Probably Doreen as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she does all the trimmings and everything. So I have no idea what I need to do with that piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. You know, the, the problem is over here, you you don't have a lot of people to counsel, you know? I mean, you are, not to be arrogant, but we are on, on, with a couple of teams on, on, the top of the, on the top of the ranking. So it's difficult to, I mean, you can, you can discuss it with, with those teams, but they won't show you the end of their tongue, you know? So it's, uh, <laughs> I think you need to figure it out yourself. And I think that's, that's what we are, you know? We are we gained a lot of knowledge from from classes for sure but after that we were self-made and self-taught you know yeah and that's how you learn it in my opinion the most or the best way i want to go back to to the the probing incident and that now you know if you're cooking strictly by feel and that's a whole different type of cooking. You know, how do you relate to gut feelings in terms of, you know, when you feel something and how, how does that come, come to you? I, I think cooking is all about gut feeling, you know. Sometimes during the cook, you know, we say to each other, I think we need to check the meat, even though there is no rational to do it. And we always follow that gut feeling and it mostly pays off because then, because then there's something going on there, what you, and you are on it on time. So you can, you know, adjust or whatever you want to do with it. I think gut feeling is always right, you know. It's, and in the beginning, if, if you just start cooking, you're always looking for a rational to get a little bit of confidence, you know, like I'm doing a good job. But if you've got enough counters in the box, I think gut feeling is the only thing that matters. I agree. Has there ever been a, a time when your intuition was telling you to do something, but it made absolutely zero sense to do it at that time? <laughs> <laughs> well, it probably is. And, and I, I really thought a lot about that today, but I cannot give you an example, you know? Uh, what, what, what I do, it's, it's, it's stupid things, but it's just like if, if, if we go to bed, uh, I set up my alarm, uh, put away my phone, 
And after three minutes, I take up my phone again and see if I set up my alarm at the right time. <laughs> and it doesn't make any sense because I did it three minutes ago, but just something you do, you know, just to make sure double check, triple check, quadruple check, you know, just to make sure things are right. But in the end, it doesn't make any sense, you know, I mean, trust in yourself and in your cook and then yeah. it will be okay. Yeah. What's the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? I didn't expect that in the beginning, but a lot of friendships, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we truly made a lot of friends in barbecue, both in America, just as over here. I think it's a good thing as well, you know, if you are in a competition season, you don't see your normal friends during nine months of the year because you're busy every weekend. So, yeah, it's it's good to have friends with the same passion and, and people who understand your, what you're talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I think also part of personal growth. I, I think barbecue brought me like creating and holding on to a kind of a perseverance, which I didn't have. Something to challenge you every, every single weekend, you know, to bring your A game again, be on top of that game. Uh, that's something I didn't have before. And I think that helps me both in competition barbecue as my professional career as well as me in person. So I think it brought a lot of good things I didn't expect in the beginning. Wow, that's a great answer. That's the best answer we've had so far on this uh, podcast. That that's, I think that when you can apply things from competition barbecue to other parts of your life, you know, for example, for me, I'm not OCD about anything in the world except <laughs> competition barbecue. <laughs> And it, it really has bled into other things and exactly. and made things. I'm like, wow, if you did this, you know, with your housework, <laughs> things, would be, yeah. things would be a lot easier in your life. And yeah, you know, and, and it really has, it has impacted me in the same way. What advice would you give to a smart young person who's about to, about who wants to get into competition barbecue? I think, you know, what, help for me is starting out doing a judge class to understand how the game is played on the other side of the table mm-hmm. and if you like it you know if you like the food i think that's a really important thing just go to a contest talk to pit masters go and go for it try it do it one time and see if you like it but also be realistic in the results you know i mean your mother, your brother-in-law, your daughter, whoever can say you have the best ribs in the world. But at the end of the day, you know, you're cooking for judges and they probably have a different opinion than your mother, your brother-in-law or your daughter, you know. So be realistic, you know. The first couple of times just need to be for fun, for experience it. And, you know, start working from there on consistency and, and, and do a class after 10, 15 contests. I think that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Consistency is is the main thing. I think whenever I ask the question about what do you think separates a good pit master from a great pit master, I think consistency is the answer to that. Definitely. hundred percent. You know, if you, uh, you've got a lot of people, well, it's, it's actually a question you still need to ask, but maybe <laughs> <laughs> I'm free to, to talk about it. Sure. It's what I don't like, you know, on the internet, it's people who are doing that judge bashing, you know, like, Oh, I was like, 35th on, 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 on chicken or whatever, you know, last con- uh, last week I was second. 
Uh, and I always think that has everything to do with consistency, you know. I mean, if you look at the top cooks in the US, uh, in Europe, Australia, it doesn't matter where, you know, it doesn't matter who's judging your meat, you know, they're always on stage and they're always in top 10 or whatever. And that has all to do with consistency. I mean, and, and everybody's got sometimes too much or doesn't get enough, you know. I mean, everybody's got the problem once in a while. But in the end of the day, you are. If you look over a couple of contests, you're there where you deserve, you know, and you see the same people every weekend again, or taking the money home. And I think that's just because of consistency. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a little curveball in that I asked this question, you know, what is missing from competition barbecue these days? But I think for you, I'd rather couch that question in, if you could take one aspect of barbecue in America and bring it to Europe, what would it be? And conversely, one part from barbecue in Europe and bring that to America, what would it be? I'm not really good in choosing, you know that? I mean, one thing is not much. <laughs> to be honest, you know, I, 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 what I really like in America is the comfort of the trailers you've got. You know, the way you cook, I mean, that's, it's, it's it's still a heavy weekend after that. I mean, you're still tired after cooking a contest, but not as much as, you know, sleeping in a little shitty van uh, next to a pop-up tent. And it's it's a whole different game. So if I could bring something from America to Europe, it probably would be that. And the price money. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you bring from Europe to America? It's how people talk with each other, having a good time with each other, etc. That's something, uh, and it's not on every contest I've been in America. Uh, for example, we went to Demopolis, Alabama last year, and that really gave me the feeling that I was back in Europe, if you see how people interact with each other, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, have that in, I had that in the Royal as well, but we had also contests. It didn't happen at all. And that's something I think, you know, over in the US, you've got people cooking are so focused that sometimes they they forget to have fun as well yeah and i think that's something i would bring from europe to america that's a great answer i'm going to try and do that moving forward <laughs> you can do both though i mean if you you can have fun you know just don't drink too much go in bed on time and on game day you're there you know yeah yeah well, since you already stole my first rapid fire question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. No, this is totally your interview. I, uh, this is great, but these are some of my favorite questions. What is one of your favorite pre, during, or post-competition meals? We don't worry about what we eat on the contest, to be honest. You know, to be honest, I don't want to cook at all. So if there is a restaurant in the neighborhood or anything, I will go there every single day. <laughs> uh, after a contest something really different different like sushi you know that's <laughs> that's something i really want after a contest yeah we're we're either sushi or salad people that's what we like to <laughs> get into well sushi yeah i don't agree on the salad though luke <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a rabbit man i've seen parsley all weekend <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true what is your favorite present that you like to give to people difficult question uh, I like to make things personal, so there's not one general present, I think. It's probably barbecue related, but <laughs> to be honest, I 
try to avoid cooking barbecue for people. You know, because since in the normal season, I just have the time to do it, you know, even right. though people, I know people are happy with it, but they just don't have the time to do it. So probably our rubs. <laughs> I was giving you the chance there to say Southern Dutch barbecue rubs. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> probably that. It's easy, but people like it as well. And it's a good rub. So yeah, why not? Absolutely. If you could have a giant billboard anywhere with anything on it, they could speak to millions. What would it say and why? I do understand why you like these questions because they're, they're really difficult questions to answer. You know that, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they've been, my producer has been threatening to interview me and yeah, I've been working on my answers a little bit. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I really, that's the only question I, I don't have an answer on, to be honest. It's, it's, probably a cheesy quote in one way or another. Uh, you know, what I always tell myself, if, if we're on the van doing it to, to a country, I always talk to myself in my head, you know, to, to get in the zone. And one thing I always say in my head is, you know, bring your A game. And, and, and I, I think that's a, a good message for everyone in every time, you know? I mean, always try to bring the best out of yourself in every situation, not only competition barbecue, but in, in personal life, in, in, in your daily job. And, in, in, you know, if you try to be better every single day, one step at a time, I think then you will be a better person the next day. Absolutely. Last question. This is my favorite question. What is, oh, a, what is an unusual habit or an absurd thing that you love? You really want to know that? Yeah. Panda Express. Huh? Panda Express. Panda Express. Yeah. <laughs> if we fly to the US, within an hour that plane touches the ground, I am at the Panda Express. <laughs> Orange chicken, Beijing beef with chow mein. I'm the happiest guy on earth. It doesn't bother you that it's Cajun chicken at a Panda Express? <laughs> I don't care. It's <laughs> It's so good. It's really good. <laughs> to be honest, when we went to the oh my gosh, we got we got an RV delivered the next day. So I ordered an Uber <laughs> and to the Panda Express, and then we were sitting in that Uber, and the driver said, "Panda Express, what is that?" I said, "That's oh, a Chinese. Have you ever heard of it?" He said, "Yeah, of course I've heard of it, but I've never eaten it." And then I, you know, throw out the story how much I liked it. So we went into it. To eat together with us. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and he liked it as well. So, yeah, I love it, man. I, I know it's bad. It's, it's, yeah, I love it. There's nothing wrong with that answer at all. Well, Tom, okay. I want to, I want to thank you very much for being on here. Uh, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Tell people where to find you uh, if you want to highlight some sponsors. Well, we got a website www.southerndutchbbq.com. We got a link there on our Instagram and our Facebook. And yeah, I'll invite all listeners to have a look at it. We got some great products as well. We got some Dutch barbecue seasoning. We won the Royal on one of those seasonings uh, two years ago, I think. Uh, yeah, just have a look at the website and just shoot us a message if you want to share something with us. Excellent. Excellent. Well, hopefully here in 2021, we'll get to have a couple of beers together and, uh, and see each other a few times and hopefully 
last year we were supposed to come over to England and cook the double in Scott Lane's neighborhood. So fingers crossed that everything goes back to normal and uh, we would love, to, we can't wait to come over there and, and cook in Europe. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you come over, just we will be there for sure. And we'll help you out with everything we can. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. And I look forward to seeing you in 2021. Thank you very much as well. It was an honor to be here as first European one. So thank you for that. Thank you for the opportunity. No problem. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. Particularly, check out our perfect Thanksgiving turkey video in time for the upcoming holiday. Next week, we talk to the champ, two-time KCBS Team of the Year winner and fellow aficionado of hip-hop slow jams, Brad Leininger with Getting Basted. You won't want to miss this one. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is the property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020.